Good morning and welcome. We are really pleased to see you here this morning. And for those joining us online, we also want to say welcome and thanks for being part of this this morning. Uh, to all our visitors who've come for the baptisms later on, can I just say a special welcome. We're so thankful to have you here this morning. and We're really looking forward to the baptisms this morning, which is just such a blessing. For those who've come expecting to hear Neil, sorry. Um, I, Father's Day didn't quite start the way I thought it was going to start this morning. I was there at 6am waiting for my kids to deliver their presents and uh, all the stuff that they should have been doing. And I got a phone call from Neil just saying that he uh, is quite unwell and uh, wouldn't be making it this morning. And so um, I'm the backup plan. So we'll see how we go this morning. Uh, by the way, I just want to mention that my kids still haven't got there yet. And um, <coughs> those that are sitting in the building, I expect to see you soon. We're going to pray. And uh, then we'll... Can I just say, um, this might be a Father's Day gift for some of the dads. This will be a shorter sermon this morning. Um, this will be a little shorter. So I'm going to pray. Father, we want to ask that you'll help today to be helpful. And I know it's not just about the message. I know that you speak through all sorts of ways. And you'll speak through the baptisms. You'll speak through the, the music that we um, enjoy and the songs that we sing. Father, help us to listen. Help us just to be aware that you're here and you're present and you love us. Help us to just take a moment to take a breath and to be grateful, to be really grateful for who you are and for what you've done. And Lord, just for the fact that we matter to you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. A number of years ago, I started reading um, some stuff around something that's called Missio Dei. Missio Dei is a Latin term meaning the mission of God or the sentness of God. And I read a number of theologians who have written extensively on this topic. Missio Dei has at its core the idea that God has a mission, that God has a mission. Different writers made it clear that God has a redemptive mission. The word redemptive is from the word redemption, a word taken from ancient slave markets. The basic idea is that of obtaining release by payment of a ransom. It is the idea of a slave being set free because of the generosity and the sacrifice of another. Those of us who've been around church for a long time, we get this idea of redemption, or we should get it. It's the idea of a ransom slave moving from one domain, one status, to a completely new, a completely different domain and status of being no longer a slave, of being free. To redeem is about a person trapped and powerless, being freed and being able then to move into a completely different state. This is an important part of Christian teaching. Paul the Apostle wrote in the book of Titus, Jesus Christ, who gave himself up to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify himself a people that are his own, eager to do good. Let me read that again. Jesus Christ, who gave himself up to redeem us from all wickedness 
and to purify himself a people that are his own, eager to do good. He redeemed us from guilt and judgment. Again, in Romans chapter 3, Paul writes, the righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came through Jesus. God has a mission. He is engaged in a redemptive mission for those He loves. And John 3 makes it very clear that God so loved the world, all people. I'd like you to hear some of the lines that have had a real impact on me as I read about Missio Day. They have shaped my thinking over the last couple of years. Here's some of these statements. It is crucial that we understand that God has a mission. And it is equally important to understand that his mission is larger than the church. His mission is larger than the church. We in the church often wrongly assume that the primary activity of God is in the church rather than recognising that God's primary activity is in the world. The church is God's instrument sent into the world to participate in God's redemptive mission. It is not so much that God has a mission for his church in the world, but that God has a church for his mission in the world. It is not so much that God has a mission for his church in the world, but that God has a church for his mission in the world. Too often it's easy for those of us who are part of church to think that the New Testament was written by Christians, to, by Christians, to Christians, so that they can better understand how to be better Christians. The New Testament was written by those who were clear about their mission. They were fully engaged in God's mission. We've become preoccupied with internal debates about what it means to be Christian, rather than also seeking to engage the world with the truth about God. What if we were to approach what we find in the New Testament from the position of not how will this make me a better Christian, but how will this help me to be more effective in participating in God's mission? What if we were to read the New Testament through the lens of not how this is going to make me a better Christian, but how will this help me be more effective in being part of the mission that God has in this world? How does this challenge me? How does this help me become more useful in his mission? Because God's heart is for the world that he loves dearly. So I want us to take a moment to have a look at a reading from John chapter 3. It's been um, a passage that lots of us have heard many, many times before. But this morning I ask you to look at it with fresh eyes. John 13, and we're reading about the washing of the disciples' feet. And it says this, John wrote these words. Just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come to leave this world to go to his father. Having loved his dear companions, he continued to love them right to the end. It was supper time. The devil by now had Judas, son of Simon the Iscariot, firmly in his grip, all set for the betrayal. Jesus knew that the Father had put him in complete charge of everything. 
that came from God and was, that he came from God and was on his way back to God. So he got up from the supper table. He set aside his robe and he put on an apron. And then he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the feet of the disciples, drying them with his apron. When he got to Simon Peter, Peter said, Master, you wash my feet? Jesus answered, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but it will be clear enough to you later. Peter persisted, you're not going to wash my feet ever. Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you can't be part of what I'm doing. Master, said Peter, not only my feet then, wash my hands, wash my head. Jesus said, if you've had a bath in the morning, you only need your feet washed now and you're clean from head to toe. My concern, you understand, is, is holiness, not hygiene. So now you're clean, but not every one of you. He knew who was betraying him. That's why he said, not every one of you. After he had finished washing their feet, he took his robe, put it back on and went back to the, his place at the table. And then he said these words. Do you understand what I've done to you? Do you understand? You address me as teacher and master, and rightly so, that is what I am. So if I, the master and teacher, wash your feet, you must now wash each other's feet. I've laid down a pattern for you. What I've done, you do. I'm only pointing out the obvious. A servant is not ranked above his master, an employee doesn't give orders to the employer. If you understand what I'm telling you, act like it and live a blessed life. For us in this century, in this culture, we read that story and it's easy to really miss what an impact that must have had on those who saw what was going on in, on that occasion. For those of us who sit in this building right now, it is difficult to fully comprehend the shock that must have almost been the, the disciples' reaction as Jesus knelt and washed their feet. The washing of feet was a task usually done by a servant of the household. And it was considered a common courtesy in that culture. People travelled on dirty or dusty roads and would arrive with their feet needing a wash. And this was an important way of not only showing hospitality, but it was also a sign of respect from the host to their visitor. It was a, a sign of respect to a guest who entered the home. On this occasion, there's no servant present. And not one of Jesus' disciples volunteers to do this task. You can imagine them coming in one by one and seeing the basin, but choosing to leave it for someone else. This is not my job. Even when Jesus arrives, not one of his disciples chooses to wash the feet of the master. After three years of sermons, three years of illustrations, three years of watching Jesus, not one. And then Jesus rises, sets aside his robe and takes up an apron. He takes the basin and he begins to pour water 
I'm sure at that point there was a little bit of shuffling, a little bit of embarrassment amongst the disciples. But at that point, it's too late. Jesus then kneels and he begins to make his way around that group, washing their feet. I'm sure that there were some awkward moments for those disciples. Jesus finishes doing this menial task, the work of a servant, and then he speaks. By that time, I'm sure they're ready to listen, really listen. And he asks them this question, do you know what I've done for you? Good question. Do you know what he's done for you? And then just to make sure they know, he tells them. He says, I have laid a pattern for you. Now, Jesus wasn't trying to institute a foot washing ordinance. This was about an example of humble service, humble, selfless service. This was the pattern for any who would address Jesus as teacher or master or Lord. Here is the pattern for me, service. Now, what if this teaching is about more than just how to be a better Christian? What if this is just as much about how we are to participate in God's mission? What if in seeking to live this out, we find a greater sense of engaging in God's redemptive mission, a greater effectiveness in pursuit of his mission? Humble service. Can I say that I find it so much easier to talk about service than doing service? I find it so much easier to stand up in front of you and talk about service than to actually get involved and serve. But for a few moments, can I just share some thoughts? Firstly, I've learnt that service doesn't always feel good. It doesn't always leave the servant feeling all warm and wonderful because sometimes service is a whole lot like washing feet. Service is a whole lot like washing feet. It can be menial, it can be hidden, it can be repetitive and frustrating. And at times service can seem quite small, almost of no consequence. But this is the pattern. This is the pattern that Jesus set and he expects us to follow. I have to accept that if I'm going to call Jesus Master and Lord, this is the pattern he's set for me. And I need to remember that I don't just do service once. I need to play the long game. Turn up, turn up and keep turning up. Can I say that if you're looking for warm and wonderful, go buy a pet. Service sometimes doesn't feel great. Secondly, I want to say that service creates impact. I remember years ago we had the privilege of having Andy Goulet come and speak at a service here. Andy Goulet is the founder and the boss of Red Frogs. And uh, they do just amazing work in our community and have done for years, particularly around the schoolies weeks. And they make a difference in the lives of thousands of students. And one of those, one of the lines that Sunday that I remember, I wrote down. I wrote it down because when he said it, it just had such an impact on me. He said this, if you desire to have impact on a section of the community, 
Go serve that particular community. Serve them. If you want to have impact, go serve them. He claimed that service was the avenue through which impact occurred. And he was very strong about that claim. And he gave numerous stories about young people who'd been profoundly changed because people had served them through red frogs. If you want to have impact in a sector of the community, go serve that community. Humbly serve. Serve selflessly. I remember that line so clearly from that Sunday. I wrote it down and I have put it in front of me on my desk. Set aside your robe, pick up your serving towel and go serve. My experience has been that when I have chosen this, and I haven't always got it right, but when I've chosen to do it, I have had the opportunity to, as the Apostle Peter states in 1 Peter 3.15, to be able to give an answer for the hope I have. There have been opportunities that have come my way to give an answer for the hope I have. Peter was speaking about being prepared to answer anyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope you have. But he reminds us to do it with gentleness and respect. The teaching here is to know what you believe and why you believe it. But to live in such a way that people have questions and ask questions of you. And the sharing comes as a result of their questions. And it's always done from a place of humility. I am convinced that these opportunities come as we serve. I have had opportunities, the privilege of having opportunities as a result of serving young people, trying to help them with their schoolwork, teaching them to drive. I've had opportunities standing on the sidelines at football fields to talk about church, to talk about my faith because I've turned up and tried to serve. These opportunities have come and there's been the opportunity to engage people in the truth about God. I have found that people have questions, questions about purpose and meaning, about life and about death, questions about God. And I have found also that many of these people are not likely to just turn up at church because they have nothing else to do on a Sunday morning. And so we serve, first and foremost, because it's the pattern set for us. We serve without agenda. People can smell agenda. We serve the one we call master because he says so. We serve here humbly seeking to look for what we can do for others. Not looking at our own interests, but the interests of others. What if this teaching we find in John's gospel was given not just to make us better Christians, but to help us participate in the mission of God in this world, at this time, in this city? I love this statement. The fullness of the gospel and the fullness of the benefits of the gospel include not only the benefits of forgiveness and eternal life, but also the privilege to represent and reveal the creator God. 
The fullness of the gospel and the fullness of the benefits of the gospel include not only the benefits of forgiveness and eternal life, but also the privilege to represent and reveal the creator God. I want to say to you that we have a privilege to represent and reveal the creator God to those around us. And it's really important to try to get that. When we serve, we are serving him. We are serving him in our service of others. And it is a privilege for us. One of the things that I have tried to work on really hard is that I don't ever get to the point where I think that I'm doing people such a great favour because I'm turning up. And they should be just so thankful that I'm there. I have tried really hard to fight that. My service needs to be, it needs to come from the place of understanding the privilege I have. The privilege I have of representing this God who loves me so much, who has done so much for me. And I have told the young people and the youth leaders that I don't, I don't ever think that they are just so lucky to have me. That they should feel so privileged to have me turn up. Once that starts to creep in, I need to quit. And I want to be really honest about that because I have met people who want, that, want you to feel so, so thankful, so grateful for what they're doing for you. And we need to guard against that. The fullness of the gospel and the fullness of the benefits of the gospel include the privilege to represent and reveal creator God. My sense is that many good people are wanting more than just knowing stuff so that they can be better at knowing stuff. They want to be in where God will give them opportunities to be part of his mission. They want to be where they can give an answer for the hope they have. So can I give you something that I have been working on for the last couple of years? It's not mine. I borrowed it from someone else. But it talks about the three Ds of missional engagement. The first D is that we seek to discover the mission that God has for us. If it's truly God's mission and not ours, then we must discover how God is at work. The first step in discovering what God is doing is through listening, individually and collectively. We must cultivate our ability to listen well on three fronts. Listen to the Spirit. Ask God, ask God to prompt you through His Spirit to make you aware, to help you see. We must listen to the local community to actually figure out what, might they, what they might need from us, how we can serve, and we must listen to each other. It is simply impossible to ascertain the movement of God without carving out significant time to listen to his voice through prayer and scripture. If the first step is about discovering, 
then the first question has to be, what is God doing in this place and in our community? The second is to discern. Not only will we need to discern what God is already doing, we'll need to ask the follow-up question. In light of my or our gifts and resources, how does God want me or us to participate in what he's doing? The fact is that we can't do it all, which is true for both individual followers of Jesus as well as this congregation. But it's also true that God has gifted us to do something. The point of discernment is to determine where and how to participate in God's mission. I believe that God has specific calling on this church for his mission in this community and this world. And the final D is to debrief. Through the process of engaging in God's mission, it's important that we take time to tell stories, to reflect and to pray. We listen. We listen carefully to what's going on in the lives of others. And sometimes it means just to slow down and to take notice of what God might, might be doing. Three Ds will help put the emphasis on the context in which God has sent us and how God has already been working in that place long before we ever arrived. I want to say that we were meant for mission. We were meant for mission. And can I say really quite sincerely, this year I have just been humbled and I see it as just an incredible privilege to serve alongside so many. Um, I, I have seen some wonderful things as people have picked up their serving towels uh, all year. And every week I am just amazed by the quiet, unseen acts of service. People just engaging in service in so many ways, in so many places. And there is so much that is unseen and unheralded, but God notices. And God is using in his mission, his redemptive mission. I also want to say that um, it is really important that as a church we understand that uh, what we're called to um, isn't more important that what it isn't more important or more special than what other churches are called to. Um, it isn't that what we're doing is better or worse. I really believe that we just need to serve and respond to what's in front of us and be faithful to what's in front of us. And if we're ready to do that, God will, God will bring what he wants us to be involved in. God will take us out to where we need to be. And God will take care of the response. So I want to thank you. Uh, and I just want to remind you that th that whole deal of reading the scripture, not just with the lens of how is this going to help me better, to follow Jesus, but how is this going to help me better to be more effective in the mission that God has given his church for? Would you pray with me, please?
Father, we've, um, lots of us have read that story about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And um, I guess the temptation is to think we've got it. We get it. And we move on and we want to get something else. But I really pray, Father, that you'll just help us to revisit that and to think through what happened that day and why it happened and what that says to us. Father, often the service we're called to is um, out of the way. It's not the glamorous stuff and it's not spectacular. It's just the stuff with people um, who cross our paths, who we know might need some encouragement. Father, sometimes their needs are greater than that. I pray, Lord, that our church would understand that we as a church would understand um, your redemptive mission, that you have so loved this world, that each person matters. And, Father, you are wanting us as followers of Jesus simply to be part of your mission. Lord, I want to thank you for the things... um, the ways in which you've encouraged me through the lives of so many people who are sitting in this building and are online, the things that I've seen this past week and in the weeks before, people going about doing things humbly and faithfully and serving not just this church but this community and this world. And, Lord, I pray. um, I, I just pray, Lord, that you would help us to draw nearer to you I pray, Father, that the things that affect your heart will affect our hearts. I pray, Lord, that you will soften our hearts and help us to care. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.